Welcome to Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud, a weekly podcast with IT leaders who are driving the future of a software-defined infrastructure-based data center. Hello, I'm Gary McCulley, and welcome to Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud. Today, I'm speaking with Michael Lechen, field CTO, Nexenta Systems. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me. Now, I read your background, and I want to start out by asking you one question. Uh huh. Did you floss today? I did. I did. You should always floss. It's very important. You were chief social media officer of the National Flossing Council. So when you live in downtown D.C., there's a lot of different things. I had a buddy of mine that decided about 15 years ago, he moved to D.C. and said, there's the national this, the association of this. He should start something. <laughs> so he started the National Flossing Council. And believe it or not, it's pretty much if you're good friends with the guy, you end up with a position on the board. Uh, we even awesome. have business cards. <laughs> oh, that's on awesome. On website, flossing.org, the Twitter handle of at DoYouFloss. I've had guys like Crest and Colgate actually ask about sponsoring at times. We're, really? We're like, yeah, it's not really an organization. <laughs> I was very interested to see that. Okay, tell us about your role at Nixenta. Sure. So, uh, field CTO. So, basically, what that means is I kind of have a hybrid role. I sit between our product team where we've got a couple of different guys on that side with different software solutions coming up. But then I also spend a good bit of time on the sales and marketing side. So I like to say it's normally 50% product, 50% sales, 50% marketing, and 50% whatever our CEO tells me to do. Now, one of the Intel and Nixenta collaborations have to do with containers. Tell us what containers really mean in this context. Uh, really, in this sense, it's really that next generation of data center virtualization, but it's encapsulizing just the pieces that are needed within a system. So parts of the memory, parts of the CPU, parts of drive, in having real portability within it. So really that revolves around our Nexenta Edge solution that does object and block storage utilizing containers. So we build that within a Docker container system that we deploy as it, and now you can have stateless storage. Where a lot of people for containers, the first thing they see is, oh, I need it for things like web servers, and I can get rid of the storage. It's up and down. But in all reality, in a data center, you're going to need storage. It stays there. Your database doesn't just go away as soon as you stop looking at it. So there still has to be some persistent stateful storage at that point. That's what it allows you to have. Now, you mentioned Nexenta Edge. Tell us a little bit about that product. So Nexenta Edge is one of our newest products in the portfolio. It does a scale out both block with iSCSI as well as object with Swift and S3. Uh, really what differentiates Edge is we want it to be a performance solution where a lot of object stores traditionally have been built around deep archive and just old storage. We found there was a real market for people that needed to have the scale of object into the tens, hundreds of petabytes worth of storage, but being able to do that with Swift Access or S3 on the object side or on the block side, if they want to run VMs on it, run something. So an active archive. Think medical, legal, things with compliance right now. They're saying, well, got to keep it for seven years. Well, keeping that much data for seven, ten years, it's going to build up. So you need something with the scale, but you also need to be able to get that back. So if it's legal and you get subpoenaed, you better be able to get that data pretty quick. Sitting on a cold archive isn't going to get you there that quick. What Intel products is Nexenta Edge leverage? The nice thing about Edge is it really uses a lot of the Intel suite from the drive side on the storage side, utilizing SSD for read and write cache to speed up each one of the nodes, all the way through some of the networking side of things, where we can really take advantage of some of the faster networking from Intel. And then even into the CPU 
side. We find that some of the CPU instructions we're able to dig a little deeper with and use, utilizing things like some of the technology we have behind Edge with our Replicast for the networking side that allows us to do UDP broadcast, but we don't do it to everything. So if you have 100 nodes in your cluster, we know which nodes to hit, so we're able to minimize that, but still get faster performance on it. Then also some of the things we do with an inline deduplication, that we need that CPU speed to be able to get there. So it really, most of the infrastructure, I think at this point, really gets utilized for Edge. You touched on some of the use cases. Go into a little more detail about big data infrastructure. For us, it's often that tier two, tier three side of things. But even on that tier zero, that maybe a Hadoop cluster that you're running, it's not necessarily, that's not where you're putting that. Realistically, people use local storage on a bunch of one U pizza boxes and one U servers to sell there. And that's where they're going to access that type thing. What they need though, is after they process that data and crunch it, it's got to sit somewhere. It's got to get processed somewhere. A lot of times there's where they'll utilize it at scale on that, whether it's on the iSCSI side and just getting the scale of iSCSI and get block stores presented out, or whether you're doing it with often with Swift presentation. From there, if you look at the active archive, I think that's probably the next space that we utilize it a lot. Uh, and the active archive is that compliance type group. That's if I need to have something that I want to pull back, but quickly. Legal is a great example of it. If I have a case that we did, a law firm looked at a case 10 years ago or five years ago, the odds of it having to come back up is pretty substantial that they might need that. I mean, every time you watch a drama show on TV, they pull some case out of... It's like, where do they get this Yeah, 1947, that there was this case of somebody versus so-and-so. They have to be able to get to those. I think the other spot that we see that even in the archive, and it goes back to the university case. Uh, I was talking to one of our customers recently, and they said when a graduate student does their doctoral thesis, they're required to keep those thesis on their drives for X number of years. As soon as it gets referenced by someone else doing their thesis, it restarts the clock. Oh. So they may have somebody that 20 years ago wrote a thesis, but it's been referenced by somebody every two or three years. And if they have a seven-year requirement, it's recycling, and they keep having to keep it and keep it and keep it. And it's just making that data growth explode. I think that the third is on that cloud backend. And that really revolves around the OpenStack use case. Because we have the Swift capability on it, we can both do the Swift as well as the block storage. You really need primary and secondary for OpenStack to run. We have Cinder drivers for it. Uh, we have Swift. We even have a UI right into the OpenStack interface so you can see your storage while you're doing it. Really a single pane of glass for your storage around OpenStack. Would you consider an extent to Edge an open software-defined storage product? For sure. I think the entire portfolio we really consider as an open SDS solution on it. The reason that we would say that is it's not necessarily that we're just opening everything up and, and telling everyone here's the keys to the kingdom for everything, but it's very open source driven. We have to utilize things like it's all based on open source Linux distributions. We can deploy on any of those. There are obviously some closed source pieces of the code. Not everything in there is open source. I mean, try to have a business. You have to have some, some uh, value add. Someone's got to be a value add for that. But we definitely try to utilize as much open source capability as possible. It's really near and dear to our hearts. We've had it with our Nextenta store side, uh, as well as with Edge. We also have community editions of it that we've done for home users. Nextenta store, that whether they're running their lab, they're running whatever, their videos collection, whatever it is, is, other they can run that software side on it. So we really have given back on that side, as well as into the file system side and even some of the major distributions. Now, where can our listeners go to learn more about your products? You can go to, of course, nextenta.com to get information on the products, whether it's Store or Edge or our Connect line that integrates actually with some of the VMware suites right now. Or, of course, our YouTube site. We've got a lot of videos out there that we've been sharing out, uh, so it's just YouTube slash 
videos. And then we always love to see people join our community, get information from there. It's right off nextcenta.com. As well as if you hit us up on Twitter, at Nextcenta, we've got a team that takes real good care to make sure we get information back to people when they ask. Thanks, Michael, for spending time with us today and best wishes to Nextcenta. Thank you. Thank you.